Welcome to Real Christianity, a weekly show designed to help Christians know their Bible, defend their faith, and truly understand what it means to follow Jesus. The premise is simple. The culture is getting louder. The church is getting flashier, but few pastors are teaching on how to live a biblical life. My name is Dale Partridge, along with my incredible wife, Veronica. Join us as we start an important conversation about what it really means to be a Christian. Welcome to Real Christianity. Today we are talking about why Christians should celebrate Christmas. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you should know that because we're wearing red and green. This is the extent of our red and green. festivity, festivousness. Um, we're not that <laughs> festive, but we did kind of coordinate this. Um, so yeah, a lot of people, you would think that all Christians celebrate Christmas, but actually um, not all Christians do celebrate Christmas, and we're going to give our reasons why we uh, personally celebrate Christmas and why we think Christians should, but we also respect the decision of those Christians who uh, who don't. And um, a lot of you guys appreciated the episode that we did on Halloween, and we had so many people try to start applying the logic of Halloween um, uh, uh, yeah, to Christmas, like why you're not celebrating Halloween, and then they apply that to Easter and Christmas and you know Good Friday or whatever. Um, and and just because the the founding roots um, were not in Scripture, and sure, yeah, the founding roots of Christmas are, are not in Scripture. Neither are they for Easter, and neither are they for uh, for uh, you know Good Friday or any of the other church holidays or whatever. Um, but we don't celebrate Halloween just because of where it started, we cel- we don't celebrate Halloween because of what it is. It's the celebration of death, gore, horror, promiscuous and scandalous darkness. costumes, darkness, mm-hmm. right? And and so um, I just want to remind you guys the massive difference that, you know, between Halloween and other holidays, and especially Christmas. And there's really no redemptive quality in Halloween. But Christmas, uh, even St. Valentine's Day, Easter, Good Friday, um, you know, there's there's a massive opportunity for the gospel in these holidays, and, and there is a redemptive quality of these of these holidays. And again, we we know some anti Christmas Christians, anti Christmas Christians. That sounds like a bad title, but um, <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. Um, who who have people who do not celebrate Christmas yeah, chosen to not participate. Um, but again, you know, my statement for them is is this: um, in our our depraved and broken culture. Are we really going to evacuate the one time per year that Jesus is openly discussed in in the public? And that's that's just an important question. It's like, man, this is this is a big opportunity here uh, that culture is talking about Jesus. And unlike Halloween, Christmas again has those huge redemptive opportunities, um, especially if you eliminate the American perversions of Christmas, like Santa Claus and materialism, which we will talk about today. Yeah, so last year we did an episode on Christmas. Um, It's episode number 22 if you want to go back and listen to that. Um, And then today's episode is basically an updated version of that previous episode. So you don't have to go back and listen to it because you're going to hear a lot of that same content here. Um, 
But um, here are some thoughts from us on the topic of Christmas for this year. Yeah. Um, as Dale said, it seems like every year we get someone messaging us to uh, present to us why we shouldn't celebrate Christmas. And because a lot of people say that we're elevating one day above another yeah. um, or why we shouldn't have Christmas trees because the book of uh, Jeremiah speaks against them. Um, so Dale's going to go ahead and address these two issues. And then I'm going to go ahead and talk about how we do gifts in our family and why we don't include Santa in our celebrations. Um, I'll also go ahead and give you guys an outline of what traditions that we do as a family um, in our home and then what we're trying to accomplish by doing those things. Um, but Dale is going to go ahead and open us up with a short historical background on Christmas and then we'll go ahead and dive in. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, a good question to have an answer to is, you know, how do we get Christmas? What, what's, where do we get this idea of Christmas? Um, well, the word comes from Christ Mass. Um, that, that's where the word comes from. In in 204 AD, uh, Hippolytus of Rome, Saint Hippolytus of Rome, Christian Hippolytus, not uh, not the um, Greek philosopher. Um, in his commentary on Daniel, he actually wrote a commentary on Daniel, and you can actually go find the line that he actually mentions this. But he calculated that Jesus was born on December 25th, um, and it's actually not like a uh, flippant calculation. He, he did like a s- pretty serious calculation and. And there's actually still even some modern-day scholars that end with uh, around Christmas as being the, the date of Christ's birth, but, uh, you know, n- no one will ever really know. Um, but, you know, and I would even say actually other church fathers like Augustine even kind of agreed with this uh, December 25th idea. And this 25th date of December basically became universally accepted by the church. Uh, the early church, the the Catholic church at that time. And in Rome, you know, people would say, oh, but th- there's just this pagan roots of Christmas. Well, in Rome, there was a popular holiday held by, or held on, this, on, on the same day, December 25th, and it had the name, the day of the birth of the unconquered son, S-U-N. And this is, uh, this is basically a, a day of worship to the sun god, and it's the idea that, you know, the, I think the shortest day of the year, or, you know, at least they thought it was shortest day of the year is around December 25th. And so there's this kind of rebirthing of the sun that's occurring from that day forward. And so this is kind of, that that's what was going on. Um, I don't think that Christmas birthed out of that. I actually think Christians in an attempt to show superiority of the one true God uh, started celebrating Jesus's birth, in a, you know, as an alternative to that date around that same time. You got to understand the kind of societal and and political context of all this and the religious state at that time. Um, but they started doing it really in the form of of kind of an early way of Advent, which we'll talk about here in a bit too. So Advent means just coming. That, that's what the word means. It's a Latin word, and it's not just talking about his first coming that we kind of associate with Christmas, the birth of Christ is coming, uh, but it's also his coming into your life, uh, and then the third coming, which is be coming back to judge the world. Uh, you know, the Revelation story, basically. And uh, Advent dates back, uh, in terms of a real practice of Advent, dates back to the 500s. It's really the first, uh, you know, four weeks, basically, before Christmas. It's it's December 1st. Started December 1st. Yeah, yeah. December 1st to the 24th. Um, And so, again, all this to say, was Jesus born on December 25th? Um, nobody's going to know. Nobody knows. There's actually really great scholarly papers on all types of different dates. But the point is not so much when Jesus was born, um, but the fact that Jesus was born. 
that we're focusing on. And we're going to celebrate that. that That's worth celebrating. And the Christmas season is really just, we got to continue to remember that it's a, it's about a reflection time on uh, the fact that God sent his son into the world so that we might be saved. And that's really the, the heart of this. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, um, yeah, celebrating that, uh, that reality. So before I dive into uh, the doctrines of days and Christmas trees, uh, Veronica is going to touch on Santa Claus gifts and share what we do as a family. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I'm learning is that tradition is a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been asking myself, what do our family's traditions teach our children about God? Um, do they complement the truth or do they compete with it? Um, and that's something that I often just ponder on when we're trying to incorporate traditions or new things that we do yeah, as a we've family. Yeah, we just did this for Thanksgiving. You were just really more in- intentional, intentional, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I try also to keep it pretty simple because mm-hmm. in our season of life, it's just... Stressful to do more. Extravagant, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, Now, if we apply that question to Christmas, and specifically Santa Claus, I think that we can find a a conflict there. Mm -hmm. Um, God commands us not to lie, and specifically to not bear false witness, and that's going to be found in Ephesians uh, 4.25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speaking truth to one another, or speaking truth, truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Um, so regardless if it's fun or whimsical or nostalgic or whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, when we teach our children that Santa is real, we are bearing false witness to them and we are lying to our children. Yep. And that specifically is just something that we don't want to do. Hey, Dale Partridge here. If you don't know, our mission on this podcast is to bring the church back to the Bible. And basically, we want to make sure that you're experiencing biblical Christianity and not the culture's counterfeit. And sadly, the Western church is filled with Christians who accepted Christ without really understanding what that means. And the modern church hasn't done the best job in helping believers understand the deeper doctrines of the Bible. And for that reason, I wrote a short and bold book called Real Christianity. The subtitle is How to Be Bold for Christ in a Culture of Darkness. The question this book answers is, what does it really mean to be a Christian according to Scripture? Now, guys, this is an easy 75-minute read that aims to lay down the theological building blocks of the Christian faith. And for those who want more, I created a printed companion study guide as well. And you can buy both in our store at shop.relearnchurch.org or pick them up on Amazon in print, Kindle, or audiobook. I think personally, just as a, as a father, as the man of the, the home and the, the head of the home spiritually, I think that Santa is a distraction um, from Christmas, uh, and not like Christmas trees either, uh, because Christmas trees are kind of like a, a peripheral issue of, of Christmas. Uh, Santa is the culture's replacement for the figure of Christ. That's really what it is. He, Santa is a replacement uh, figure. Well, even if you think of the song, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. Does <laughs> it be good for goodness sake? Yeah. Like those lyrics, I'm like, just replace that with Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. And the idea is that you've just applied the omniscience attribute to Santa. Yeah. And to something that your children are eventually going to find out is not real. It's not real. Yeah. And so, so Santa really shifts the focus from the gift of salvation um, which is what we should be focusing on Christmas time in, in the form of Christ to the entitlement of materialism um, in the form of greed. 
And so it, it is a big shift for a child. And, and you can see this as you build up an appetite in your child every year that they're waiting for Christmas to get gifts and to get things. And if you continue to build that appetite into your child, they're going to they're going to confuse what Christmas is actually about. And, and again, we should be really careful to not allow our children's eyes to get diverted from Christ to something that's far less significant, like Santa Claus, which, I mean, even last night we were watching um, uh, some old, like, Frosty the Snowman stuff. And I don't mind wa- the kids watching some of these, you know, these things. I try to really eliminate Santa Claus from everything. And Aria was asking me, Dad, no, I want to watch the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the one from like the 50s with the claymation. And I was like, ah, like, even for me, nostalgic. I was like, you know what? All right, let's just turn it on and see how it goes. We're about four minutes in and I go, nope, turning it off. Boom. It's I just, heard you doing that from upstairs. <laughs> yeah. And so I just. Well, I heard you even like put it on. I was like, oh, all right, we'll see how this goes. And yeah. then sure enough, a few minutes later, I heard that whole scene play out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I think but the most, imp- uh, most important reason why we don't include Santa or St. Nick or any other replacement figure is if you tell your children that Santa, this person that you can't see is real. And then they find out when you're. Um, find out later that you're deceiving them how do you expect them to believe uh to believe you when you tell them that jesus is real yeah um do you expect them not to apply that deceptive experience about santa to your own words about jesus yeah that's a really important like that's the core piece right here is that if you tell your children about santa claus and and, you know again he's this person that you can't see you know, um, and Ari's even asked me about Jesus. Like, why can't I see Jesus? So there's this kind of, you're putting this parallel figure there and you tell them that he's real. And then they find out later, uh, which they will, that you're deceiving them and that you lied to them. Um, again, yeah. The question that you ask, how do you expect them to not apply that deceptive experience to, uh, to your words about Jesus. It just doesn't make any sense. And so this is a major trust-breaking opportunity for parents here. And uh, and I would say it's it's unique too because it's actually a major trust-breaking opportunity that's actually in a similar scenario to Jesus. Like it's this figure that, that has omniscience, that cares about you, that's invisible, that you can't see. There, there's kind of a similarity there. So it's like, I feel like it's a trap of the enemy in many ways. And, um, and again, if you've already lied to your child about Santa, uh, if you're this person that goes, oh man, we've already done the Santa thing. uh, What I would do is I would just go, okay, let's go, um, confess to our children. Hey, you know what? It's just a fun thing. We made it up. It was, you know, a lot of kids do that. We, we actually feel, uh, like it's wrong and we shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. Santa isn't real. Um, uh, you know, will you forgive us? For, for telling you that we shouldn't have done that, like depending on the age of your kids. But um, yeah. I think that's something to consider mm-hmm. because you want to redeem that moment so that they can trust you. They might even ask you, well, are you lying about Jesus? There's actually people that I've, when I did a post about this uh, last year in the comment section, I had several people say that they questioned Jesus after their parents told them that Santa wasn't real. Mm. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, so what do we do instead? Um, Our family, we celebrate the Advent, December 1st through the 24th. Um, And that includes a few things. Um, Remember that traditions teach. And so we want to teach our children how beautiful Christ's birth truly was. Um, 
not just for us, but for the whole world. Mm -hmm. Um, And kids need reminders as to what is so beautiful about the redemption of Advent or repetition, excuse me, repetition of Advent. Um, So we use an Advent calendar. Um, I just bought a blank, you know, fabric one with a bunch of little pockets and I kind of made up my own um in each pocket there are these little cards there's a scripture on it that basically walks us through um you know the coming of Jesus um and his birth and there's some type of activity for us to do that makes it fun and we are not super rigid with it like I don't know it's December 4th 5th today or something like that and I don't think I've done one with them, but we have read with them. We've done the Advent yeah, book already with yeah, them. Yeah, we've done the book with them. Um, so, yeah, we're not super rigid. Like, we have to do it every single day. Um, but it is something, you know, a little bit extra that's a little bit fun for them um, yep. during this season. Uh, we also, I have a lot of Christmas books that I bought over the last few years. And so we also read a book to them every night. Yep. Um, and that's been fun for them as well. Um, and then uh, on Christmas morning we will read them the Christmas story in the book of Luke. Um, as far as gifts go, um, we do do gifts in our family. We typically just do one gift per child, mm-hmm. um, plus their stockings. And their stockings are something, you know, usually like socks and toothbrush, like nothing extravagant, extravagant yeah. or crazy. Um, but we usually do try and do one gift per child. Um, and then, let's see. We don't want our children to be more excited about what they receive than what was given to them through Christ. So materials breeds entitlement and entitlement breeds a lack of gratitude. Um, So Christmas is a great opportunity to model generosity, um, serving one another. We have a lot of things like that in our Advent calendar. Um, So, yeah. And we have lots of conversations about things like that, opportunities, how they can look for opportunities to serve someone else. Um, but the main point is, is your focus on the gift or on the ultimate ultimate gift giver? Yeah, and that's the good question for your home. And it's hard. It's hard. You, you'll realize how much influence the culture has had on you when you're like trying to pull away and like not watch certain movies at the Christmas season, um, not watch or not, not participate in certain activities and, and not go and get your kids all these different things and different gifts because you, you're trying to create a, usually a nostalgic experience from your childhood that you really enjoyed in the flesh, all these gifts that were given to me and it made that time special. Um, you can also make that same nostalgic experience uh, with just giving them one gift and allowing them to gift give as well. And teaching them that it's actually better to give than it is to receive. That's something really core to get into the kids. Um, And so uh, I want to briefly just talk about the two doctrines that people sometimes struggle with. Uh, One is elevating the days uh, above another. um, And the other one is uh, on Christmas trees. And so um, Romans 14, 5 through 6. and, And this idea of elevating the days. The Jehovah's Witness actually take this doctrine, uh, you know, way out of context in my opinion, but they, um, they don't celebrate any days. There's no days elevated above one another. Um, and th- this passage says in uh, Romans 14, five through six, one person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, uh, uh to the Lord, he does not observe it. And so, uh, Basically, you know, what what it's saying here 
is there's freedom, the road of the law of liberty. And as, as a Christian, you're free to do so, to celebrate any certain day for any certain emphasis, as long as it honors the Lord and it doesn't violate Scripture. And that's what I would say is, is really key. Um, and, you know, because Christmas, yeah, is it, is, it, uh, is it biblical? No. Is it extra biblical? Yes. Is it unbiblical? N- no, not, not, not the way we're talking about it. It can be. You can make it unbiblical. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but Christmas is uh, done in, in a way that honors the Lord and doesn't violate Scripture is a great thing. Now, if you, as it says, if, you know, it says, uh, let, let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Uh, Romans also talks about the idea of don't violate your conscience. If you have a conviction, then don't do it. Um, it's not safe to violate your conscience. Um, but yeah, so that's one thing. And then, um, you know, those families who choose not to celebrate Christmas, great. That's fine too. Um, just as long as they make sure that their absence is both honoring to the Lord and doesn't violate scripture. Like they're not doing it because of a reason that is actually not honoring God. Like they're not going to participate, even if it, there was an opportunity to go show the gospel to someone, they're not going to, like, you don't want their absence to violate. And so we have some freedom there, the law the law of liberty. So I just go, hey, you know, we, cho- we choose to do this as a family. We think it's a great opportunity in culture that everybody's talking about Jesus for 25 days. Um, yeah, I'm not going to run away from that. I'm going to figure out ways to get creative, talk about Jesus, remind people of what Jesus is, remind them of the gospel message that they do need a Savior. Um, and we're going to take advantage of that as a family in creative ways. The second one is Jeremiah 10, 2 through 4. And we get this all the time. Yeah, it's either the Santa Claus thing or the Christmas trees. That's like... Yeah. During this holiday season, those are the. If they top see a Christmas tree things. in the back of our Instagram stories, they're like, do you know that Christmas trees are an idol? Hey, Dale Partridge here. I recently heard a disturbing statistic. Only 11% of Christians have read the entire Bible. Now, we can't wonder why the church is being influenced by the culture more than the culture is being influenced by the church. The vast majority of Christians don't know God's Word because they've never read it. We cannot live out what we do not understand. So Veronica and I want to challenge you right now to read the Bible in one year. We've put together a basic 365-day reading plan that'll take you no longer than 20 minutes per day, and you can download it for free at relearnchurch.org forward slash Bible. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash Bible. Let me read this passage to you and explain to you. And if you do some Googling, um, like if you look at any scholarly article, they're, they're going to agree with me on this because uh, I did all the research as well. Uh, but yeah, like if you, the Gospel Coalition or Desiring God or any of the major websites, yeah, they're going to agree with what I'm saying here uh, because this is the context. If you look back in all the commentaries that I've read in the 1500s, 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, they're also agreeing here. Uh, if you look at the commentary anywhere, you'll it'll generally agree uh, and f- at least reveal to you what this passage is really about, and it's not about Christmas trees. Okay, so Jeremiah 10, 2 through 4, it says, Thus says the Lord, Learn not the way of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are dismayed at them. For the customs of the the people are vanity. Now, pay attention. A tree from the forest is cut down and worked by an axe by the hands of a craftsman. 
They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with a hammer and nails so that it cannot move. Okay, so um, people go, oh, wow, look, that sounds exactly like cut down a tree and you decorate it with gold and silver. Like, that must be a Christmas tree. No, that's not what it's talking about. Um, this, again, first, this instruction is specifically to the nation of Israel under the Old Covenant. Uh, this is not a New Testament doctrine, um, you know, just regardless of, of the doctrine we're going to talk, or of the context here. Um, secondly, the context of the chapter makes it abundantly clear that Jeremiah was condemning the practice of carving idols for worship, not festively decorating Christmas trees. And so they're talking about the idea of you cut a tree down, you work it and carve it by the hands of a craftsman, turning it into a wooden idol, decorating it with silver and gold, and then fastening it down um, so that it can't move. This is talking about the forming and carving out of an idol that they worship. And the very next verse actually reads, Quote, like a scarecrow in the cucumber field are they, and they cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them, for they can do no harm, nor can they do any good. And so they're not talking about a Christmas tree because nobody thinks a Christmas tree can walk. They're talking about the fact that they carved a piece of wood into looking like a, some sort of creature or person, decorated it, and they're worshiping it. And, and he's, Jeremiah is pointing out that we don't need to be afraid of these false gods and that they're idols and that they're lifeless carvings and they're not really gods at all. And, and yes, if people are sitting there and they're worshiping and praying in front of their Christmas tree and they're worshiping their Christmas tree, then you got a problem. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anybody uh, that I've ever seen worships their, yeah, worships their, worships their Christmas tree. Um, and so, uh, you know, Again, they're extra biblical. Doesn't mean they're necessarily unbiblical. Uh, they're actually, you know, uh, the the custom that kind of came from Christmas trees, the 13th century, um, is this this idea of the evergreen tree, right? So that the trees like in the Northwest and the, uh, they're like pine trees, right? And the fact that in winter everything dies except the evergreen trees, they stay alive, they stay green. And um, in the 13th century, it was basically kind of a symbolic representation of Jesus. Like, look, this tree that has life, like the tree of life. Jesus is actually represented as a tree in scriptures. Um, Again, we're not using the tree and worshiping the tree as Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But it's a symbolic idea, and it's fun, and it's nostalgic. And, um, you know, you can totally eliminate the tree if you want to do Advent without a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just saying is that don't be afraid of the tree because you think that it's condemned by scripture because it's definitely not condemned by scripture. It's just extra biblical, just like light bulbs and doorknobs are extra biblical. Um, you're not going to, you know, the, the doorknobs in your house, you don't have to go get rid of them. They're extra, they're not unbiblical. They're extra biblical. And so, um, that's what we do as a family. We take all our doorknobs off and then we, no, I'm kidding. Um, but we do have a Christmas tree. We do gifts. Um, we don't do Santa Claus. We do the Advent season. And that seems to be really fun for our family. Um, and, you know, hopefully that's helpful for you guys. I don't know if you have anything. No, I think that covers the questions we've been asked. Yeah, and, and in terms of the Santa stuff, just, you know, um, if again, if you've, if you've already told your kids about Santa, just spend some time with the Lord praying about how to confront that issue. Um, but I do think it's wise personally. That's just my perspective. Um, if you guys are a regular listener to the show, 
would you guys consider leaving a review of the podcast? Uh, the reviews really do help the exposure of the show. All you got to do is go to the podcast app and just tap the stars there. You can also, I haven't mentioned this in a while, but you can listen to our show on, Sh- or on Shopify, on Spotify, um, on YouTube, um, Google Play, Google Play mm-hmm. and maybe even Pandora now. I think we're, we're in the middle of getting Pandora uh, for the episode there too. Mm-hmm. And another big thing that I wanted to share is that guys, we hit our ministry's goal for 2019. Um, so thank you guys so much for making donations this year. We, we met our goal, our financial goal and our budget and what a huge blessing it is. So any donations that come in after this, uh, you know, December here are going to go to funding the next year. So we're kind of ahead of ourselves a little bit and that feels really good. Praise God. Um, so (laughs) thank you guys for your support this year. Mm -hmm. And, um, Next episode, Veronica and I are going to maybe do some back and forth Q&A, just kind of get out of the, I did some heavy theology back to back to back to back. So we might just do a little fun episode for our, our next one and we will see you next Wednesday. Alrighty. See you guys. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Real Christianity. Real Christianity is an audio ministry of relearnchurch.org. If you'd like more information on how to live out a biblical life, relearnchurch.org hosts a variety of articles, podcasts, sermons, and videos to support your journey. Real Christianity is a 100% listener-supported ministry, and if you'd like to support our efforts, simply click the Donate tab at relearnchurch.org. You can also connect with both Veronica and I on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for daily lessons and Bible teachings. Thank you for being with us today. We hope to see you next Wednesday for another episode of Real Christianity.